Today we'll continue the metta practice and move on to the next person in the progression of traditional persons, and this person's a neutral person. But I did want to go back a bit to um, talking about the importance of the direction in which we're going with metta practice and any of these practices, the compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And to remember that these practices are cultivating an immeasurable impartiality towards all beings, including ourselves. And if we don't include ourselves, then there isn't the true impartiality that we really uh, need to remember ourselves. The Buddha said that you can search the entire universe for someone who deserves your love and compassion more than you do yourself, and you will find that person nowhere. You, more than anyone, deserve your own love and compassion more than anyone else. It's so easy to think about the spiritual path in terms of a kind of martyrdom, of giving of ourselves all the time to others. And when we think of others and exclude ourselves, it's a kind of abandonment. We're repeating the hurt that comes from abandonment that many of us have in our own lives, that kind of hurt. We're really abandoning ourselves. And that abandonment is a kind of abuse. So all of these practices lead us to and in the direction of this immeasurable impartiality. So try to be with oneself as much as you can in the practice, open to sending, receiving metta to oneself. I spoke about grief a little bit yesterday in answer to a question, I think, and um, to my surprise, there was a lot of response that came up individually and um, in private about the issue of grief. And there were questions about what am I grieving about? What are we grieving about? Uh, How do we not get lost in grief? Many, many questions come from just opening to the subject of grief and feeling grief in our own lives. And as I pondered on that a little more for myself, feeling that um, grief myself in my life, I wondered whether this grief is because we have forgotten whether t- how to truly care for ourselves. And maybe when we begin to send metta to ourselves again, or we begin to send a kind of caring attention to ourselves, that remembering and um, the letting go of all the times when we didn't take care of ourselves so deeply, so caringly, brings a kind of opening to us which 
is painful, but it's relieving at the same time, kind of bittersweet. So I'm not sure that this is the answer for anyone, uh, but it certainly poses another question to look deeply into this avenue of caring for ourselves and see, ask ourselves, are we doing that enough? Are we caring for ourselves in a way which doesn't exclude others and or are we caring for others in a way which excludes ourselves? You know, it's, it's an important question um, that I couldn't answer for you, but you can answer for yourselves. This fall and winter, this past fall and winter, I did, um, I went to my regular exams, health exams, and uh, they found that I had a lump in my breast, and uh, it didn't look like it was one of those benign ones. So went through a lot, and I'm sure many of you women have gone through that, or have men, men here have had close women friends that have. So you all know what it is to go through that in one way or another, directly or indirectly. And so there was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, of course. And I had the opportunity within all of that to, um, to do some metta practice, to actually teach some metta practice. And that always gives me the opportunity to practice metta. And so I went to the place where I practiced and taught in Santa Rosa with Sharon Salzberg and also Sylvia Borstein. And I had chosen at that time to not operate on it, to just do the practice um, for a while and do some other herbs and other remedies like that. And I wondered whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. But in any case, I was away from home and decided that that's what I was going to do. And so I decided during that whole time of metta to mainly send metta to myself. Of course, I sent metta to my kids and to my friends and teachers and my family, Steve, uh, like that. But I mainly sent metta to myself. And in the beginning, when I first started sending metta to myself, I started to cry, and it was a kind of grieving, I thought, because I had forgotten about myself. And you know, there was so much I was thinking about others and the family and the yogis and the, you know, uh, friends and et cetera, et cetera. And when I, f of course I would take time for myself, do walks, eat, of course, you know, all of those things. but. That kind of caring, that kind of caring that was, I, I just took that time in every sitting that I sat and just sent metta to this body. There was such a, uh, a softness for myself that I had to rediscover. And so, when we come to that, sometimes we don't feel like, um, you know, well, who am I to send metta to, or I'm not important, and we are really important. You know, unless we can feel that softness towards ourselves, we can't really feel it for others. So I just encourage you to 
keep opening and if the you know if there's a grieving and you don't know why don't question it so much you don't we don't need to know where it comes from so much we just need to know that it's important to open it's important to discover what it is we're opening to more as I was rereading some notes last night uh, that I had written maybe 10 years ago when uh, Manindra was at my house and um, trying to give me Abhidhamma lessons from four to six every morning. <laughs> I was looking through those notes for the first time in many years and I, there's some really interesting pieces of information that he gave me. At the time I thought, where am I ever going to use this information? <laughs> but, but somehow it's all coming together. One of the six of this, ten of that, thirty-seven of this, and four of that, came this. There was four, four things which obstructed enlightenment. And the fourth one is needing to know why. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, give up needing to know why. Just, you know, keep in the present moment with what's happening. Maybe we need to know why this is happening, where it came from, where it's going, but um, that'll kind of lead us on a dog chasing its own tail route. You know, just know that there's opening taking place. This impartiality that we come to understand through all these practices really is this sense of interconnectedness. When we have this I immeasurable impartiality towards all beings, including ourselves. In other words, we don't see ourselves above, below, or even equal to any other being. That there's just even no thought of comparison. That there is this impartiality, this kind of where all the boundaries and barriers are melted. This is really an in interconnectedness. This is what true interconnectedness is, where there's no thought of I, me, or mine, you, your, yours, ours. It's just a sense that there's this understanding that one act can greatly affect any other being or circumstance in the world. So there's this interconnectedness that we come to experience in these practices. There's a beautiful poem by Kabir that talks of this interconnectedness that we feel when we discover the care that we can give ourselves, this love that exists within us, and that also exists within all other beings. This love between us goes back to the first humans. True love has no beginning. It has no end. Deeply, look deeply at this great love. It cannot be annihilated it cannot be annihilated. As the river weaves itself to the sea, what's inside of you moves inside of me. So we come to see this 
when we do these practices and just give it time to move inside of you in whatever way it does. And it may not be the way that you think it's moving, but just give it time. We risk a lot because we risk exposing our vulnerabilities. And so we may be fearful of opening for whatever reason. But somehow we learn that this quality of metta brings a quality of acceptance, to just accept, okay, things are the way they are right now. Maybe there is a feeling of being closed down. Can we send metta to that, to that part of ourselves that's closed down? To that closed downness, can we send metta to that? Can we just accept that there are some unloved parts of ourselves, you know, that haven't been exposed yet, and that's okay. In, in coming to that, there has to be this great balance between mindfulness and metta. And, you know, there can't be metta unless there's mindfulness, and there can't be mindfulness unless there's metta. Because mindfulness um, has to have within it some acceptance, and that acceptance is a kind of metta itself. And metta has to have some mindfulness to it, or else we're just going off towards attachment or off to um, at the other end of the stick, which is uh, hatred. So unless we have metta and mindfulness together, there's not a whole lot of balance. So as you're doing the metta, be very vigilant for the main hindrances, which are the near and far enemy of attachment and aversion. I spoke about this last night. Um, In stillness, when we're still, which metta brings a kind of a stillness, we begin to see things more clearly. And so it's really possible for a lot of aversion to come up, you know, even aversion to metta. So we're going to see it more clearly. Don't just forget that it's aversion to metta. Just work with the aversion, because that's what we need to work with at that time. Because metta is essentially an awareness practice with more concentration. So we're just going to start being more aware of the, those parts of ourselves that we're not normally aware of. Um, metta is like throwing rose petals out in a field of dung. You know, you're going to smell that dung so <laughs> really clearly in a field of rose petals. So it's just going to be much more apparent to you during that time. <laughs> Somebody gave me that analogy. I thought it was pretty good. (laughs) It really makes the point. (laughs) So the two main hindrances that are going to come are aversion and attachment. And metta uh, can be the balancing factor for both of these. Um, Just wanted to give you one example of how attachment and aversion play into this. And it can come in, in such um, a masked 
way, in such a masqueraded way that we don't realize that it's there. Uh, this past Valentine's Day, uh, Steve gave me a, a Valentine's card, and I gave him a Valentine's card. And that day, we were taking off to teach in Minneapolis. And um, that was the very day we were leaving. And so he gave me his card, and I took the time to sit down and read it. We were, the clothes were all over the place. We were preparing the house for somebody else to come in to house it. And it was wild, but I said, I'm going to take the time to sit down and read this. So I did. And I had given Steve his card, and I had written in that card how much I appreciated him and how much meta I felt for him. Not, you know, only the love that one feels for a mate um, and passion and all of that, but I felt a lot of metta was developing in our relationship. So I wrote all about metta and gave him the card, and I was waiting for him to read the card. And, so <laughs> and he was busy at his desk, you know, and doing this and that, and, and so in between doing the chores, and I'd always look up and kind of wait for him to, <coughs> is he picking up the card? You know, is he looking at the card? And no, and so every once in a while I'd say, are you going to read the card? <laughs> are you going to pick it up? And he'd say, no, I don't want to do it now. don't want to do that now. Being the aversive type, he had a little tinge in his voice, usually, of, you know, he's on his track, okay. Let him be on the track. And so, <laughs> so uh, the evening came. We, we usually take the 10 o'clock flight, evening flight, out of Maui in, you know, to catch the connections. And so uh, we got to the airport, and we're sitting down. And I thought, well, surely he's going to read it now. <laughs> so, so there's this growing attachment out of metta, you know. And I just completely had lost what I wrote about on Valentine's Day, that I felt so much metta. So I, I didn't even see until, you know, a few days passed that this attachment was beginning to flood my mind and heart. So we get to the airport and say, are you going to read the card now? And he says, no, I'm not going to read it now. Okay. <laughs> and so... It's, it's so still a lot of attachment, a lot of attachment to it. Just unknowingly, you know, here I am, a Vipassana teacher. <laughs> I can't even see this attachment that's flooding this mind, you know. So then we get on the plane, and I thought, surely, because he always <laughs> has, he has a lot of time on the plane. It's a wonderful time to read and everything. And he gets on the plane, and he's not reading the card. So between the, the plane ride from there into Denver and then into Minneapolis, this attachment turns into seething, <laughs> seething aversion. And then we get to the place, and, um, you know, he has his room, I have mine. So I finally see the card out on the table on his desk, and I say, are you going to read the card? And, <laughs> you know, at this time I'm already, attachment has turned into aversion. <laughs> and he looks at my face and he says, 
yeah, okay, I'm going to read the card or something. He better read the card. So, <laughs> so then he reads the card, and while he's reading the card, you know, and somewhere along the line telling me, you know, I really wanted a special time to read it. And I was really just waiting for a special time to open it. It was such in a rush, and, you know, I was so tired on the plane. And, and then I finally come to my senses and see, of course, you know, he's not, he, he, he really wants the special time. And I finally can backtrack and see what I went through. So it's just showing you how metta can, you know, you can, it can turn to attachment so easily. And then from there, when we're not getting what we're attached to, it can turn into aversion. It's so sneaky. <laughs> so be careful with those, all of those. So let's do a little practice now. <laughs> I'm going to ring the bell at a certain time, but even after I ring the bell, there's going to be some silence, so you can do metta on your own, and then uh, I'll ask you for any questions. So taking a comfortable position, and then bringing our attention to our heart centers and allowing our attention to just rest there. allowing it to be however it is. Take some time to send metta to any part of yourself, your heart, your body, your breath, call to mind, to heart, those beings or the one particular being that we may have caused any hurt or harm to. If thoughts arise about any situation during this time, if images arise remembering circumstances, just let them go. And with this being or beings in our heart, asking for forgiveness,
and remembering too those beings that we may that may have caused hurt or harm to us keeping your boundaries clear leaving out anyone you don't feel safe around And as much as we can, sending our forgiveness to this being or beings. As much as I can, I open my heart to you again. Remembering ourselves as well. As much as I can, I open my heart to myself again. And then take some time to reflect on some good qualities about ourselves. The proximate cause for metta to arise is remembering the goodness of ourselves and others. So remember the goodness. And then when you're ready, begin to send metta to oneself. If it's hard to send metta to oneself, just remember oneself as a child. See if that helps. Or send metta to parts of oneself, like the eyes that see the feet that take us to places, hands. Using the phrases, may I always be protected. May I be happy. 
May my body be healthy. May I have ease. Whichever ones you remember or make up your own, just do those. Remaining with yourself if you want to, or move on to the benefactor. Remembering again the goodness and repeating the phrases or the ones that you like. Whenever it gets difficult, just keep going, bringing up a phrase, remembering the person, 
Don't give up on yourself. Whenever you're ready, you can move on to a dear friend.
moving on to a neutral person. A neutral person is somebody that we feel neutral towards. We don't have a lot of attachment or aversion. It's usually someone we don't know very well. It could be somebody here at the retreat or somebody at your place of uh, where you live, a grocer or postman or woman. Remembering someone, being as clear as you can with your intention, your vision, or your felt sense of this person. And sending this person also metta, letting whatever metta you have cultivated spill over also to touch this person.
bringing our attention back to our heart centers. And then connecting this wish for happiness that we each have to the same wish that all other beings have, especially our family. So remembering our families, wherever they are, our loved ones, just as I wish to be happy, may all of you, wherever you are, also be happy. just as I wish to be protected from all harm. May you also be protected from all harm. Just as I wish to be peaceful, may you all also know peace. Just as I wish to be free, May all of our family, all of our loved ones, relations also be free. 